What's up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Fire and Ice, brought to you by Sportstopia. I'm your host, Simon, joined as always by my wildly handsome co-host, Terrell Furman Jr., and we got Stu, a.k.a. Monotone Football, here with us. You always ready to talk some Monday Night Football? Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, look, it, we had two great games last night, a bunch of unders. Make sure you're playing these, these unders in the primetime games. I think they're nine and two nighttime unders this season, so make sure you get on the under train. You're You're rolling. It's like we learned nothing from Thursday Night Football last year, right? It's like we learned absolutely nothing. It was Sunday night, too. Primetime unders are just good. abysmal game. And then we get all hyped up again. We're like, oh, this Rams-Bengals game about to be a shootout. No, it's just going to be a slow murder of both of the quarterbacks and a defensive battle all night. Our producer, Keith, here, he loves the unders on the Thursday night games and the Sunday night games. Last season, we call it the Keith sweat. He hit the no touchdown scored during that Colts Broncos game last year. I think it was where there wasn't a touchdown hit on that. Um, that's a bit extreme, but it paints the picture that we're hitting some unders, but that still means it's some good football we got going on. We're going to talk through some of that today and a little bit more about the waiver wire pickups that you may be looking at as we're going into week four. I say we jump right into Monday night football because we got a lot to talk about today. We'll kick it off with that Eagles Buccaneers game. The Eagles were four and a half point favorites on the road at the Buccaneers. Ended up covering that at 25 to 11 final score. The big thing for me in this game was we heard Nick Sirianni come out earlier this week and say, if DeAndre Swift has the hot hand, we're going to ride the hot hand. We're going to keep doing it. We saw him with 16 carries, Gainwell with 14, I believe. But Swift did way more than 130 yards on the ground. Didn't find the end zone. But you're happy with 130 yards. Terrell, whenever we're looking at this backfield, they split carries just about evenly. But this is two games now where Swift has shown up um, as the more efficient runner. One in absence of Gainwell. Here with Gainwell back in the lineup. What are you making of this Eagles backfield? Oh, well, I mean, just take your pick at the litter. And uh, as of right now, it looks like DeAndre Swift is the main back. But... I mean, I would roster anybody in this backfield you can because literally my 10-year-old sister could probably run behind this Eagles offensive line and amount to very similar to what they're able to do. It's just absolutely insane. They're getting so much penetration up front and where they're able to actually dictate crazy holes. Like if you looked at it, DeAndre Swift had a crazy hole. You look at Kenny Gable, crazy holes in offensive line to run through. So it's just, it's, it's absolutely insane to me how good this offensive line for the Eagles is in run protection and run blocking and being able to make these running backs look crazy efficient. Like you look at DeAndre Swift and you're just questioning, wow, why would the Lions even draft a running back? They should have went and got another skill position and been an even better team. Like it's absolutely insane here. So I love it. Stu, are you in agreement here? Do you think Swift looks like the guy, but about maybe the Kenneth Gainwells in this offense that you can still start them as well? Yeah, I have Swift FOMO right now. Major FOMO, right? That was not a guy I was really targeting heavily. Rashad Penny, a name that was real popular in the offseason and has not been super popular in the regular season <laughs> so far, right? For Poor me, Penny. I still – Gainwell's a little more scary. If you watch that game, you'd think Swift dominated time of possession, but they split it up pretty evenly um, based on quarter, right? So pretty mm -hmm. much Swift dominated in the first quarter. Gainwell dominated in the third quarter. Swift dominated in the third quarter again. And then the fourth quarter gets a little bit murky, but 
Gainwell dominated once again. For me, if I'm a Swift owner, I'm kind of hoping that was garbage time a little bit. And maybe if the game was more competitive, that Swift does go back out for the fourth quarter. Because to me, I think he's clearly the most talented back on this team. So it's kind of a hard time to buy high. You know, you can't really get DeAndre Swift if you don't have him right now off of back-to-back 130 rush yard games. You know, no one's going to trade him to you in those kind of situations. But I'm a little bit less comfortable with Gainwell. Like you said, the offensive line is spectacular. The holes that they were generating were absolutely insane. But for me, I still think Swift is kind of the clear RB1 in this one. And I think he continues to have really good showings. Yeah, I tend to agree with you guys. But you brought up something there, Stu, that I loved, that the Kenneth Gainwell seemed to get a lot of that garbage time work there at the end. This is a good Eagles team. This is an Uh Eagles team that likely will have a lot of garbage time. So whenever we're looking at if we want to say Gainwell's the backup or the secondary back in this offense, as far as opportunity for second secondary backs, it may be a little bit higher for Gainwell on the Eagles than it would be on some other teams. Because I don't expect this game script where they're up big in the fourth quarter to be a rare one for this team because they look freaking good out there. Do you guys see the, uh, the conspiracy that Taylor Swift, who's an Eagles fan, is only dating Travis Kelsey as a ploy to sabotage him in the Super Bowl with a breakup right before it happens against the Philadelphia Eagles. You buying into that? I'm not familiar with that conspiracy. <laughs> I've, I've like, never heard yeah. of that in, in my life. I did not know people even went that. I didn't even know she was an Eagles fan. So I, 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 I don't know what to say. The only thing that I was just laughing at is the fact that they're dating. And you also have Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift who are on the same team. And I thought that was funny. I've never heard of this conspiracy theory. Keep an eye on it. Start watching. If Kelsey's play starts dipping, we know that she's getting in his head over there. Outside of the running backs here, and uh, outside of the running backs here for the Eagles, I wanted to talk about the running backs on the Buccaneers side of the ball as well. Rashad White was one of my favorite preseason guys. It does look like he's the lead back there, getting most, if not all, of the work. Sean Tucker got what one, maybe two carries in that game yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But he didn't do very much with it, Rashad White. 14 carries, only 38 yards on the ground. Stu, was this a side effect of the Eagles' defense, or are you concerned for Rashad White season long after three not great weeks now? Yeah, I think it's more of a side effect on Rashad White's talent profile, unfortunately, right? I was playing unders yesterday because the Eagles' defensive line is spectacular, and you should play running back unders against the Eagles pretty much all year long because they're going to continue to rock. But Rashad White, even dating back to last year, was one of the bottom five guys in rush yards over expectation, dating back to his debut, right? These guys constantly look at him. Um, and he's gotten the opportunity, but he hasn't really, you know, pulled through. So I, I was kind of halfway with you. I liked Rashad White for the opportunity before the season, but I really didn't like the talent. I didn't like what the advanced numbers were kind of saying. He still has the receiving yardage work, right? We know Baker Mayfield loves to dump it down. He's one of the only running backs with like a complete overhaul on that red zone work. He has all of it, right? There's no competition, but at the same time, I'm not loving the talent. I'm not the biggest fan of the player himself. So I'd kind of cautiously be playing him for the rest of the year. But he's locked into an RB1 workload, and you can't really just replace that very easily. No, I mean, we look at that game yesterday. It was two carries for Sean Tucker, one carry for Baker Mayfield. Everything else went through Rashad White. Every other carry in that game. Terrell, you got any more optimism for this guy, or is this offensive line and the talent profile, as Stu put it, too much for him to overcome for fantasy? Uh... I have optimism because I roster him in a league, but this not much. <laughs> it, it's not much because 
the thing that really, really that got it for me was the fact of seeing how rough he was against the Minnesota Vikings and DeAndre Swift, who we just talked about, came in there and gashed them for 150. And so that's what I was like, oh, man, well, there was opportunity there and you just, you know, didn't you didn't capitalize on it. But they did play really well against Joshua Kelly. So it could be a thing of where where he's just had, you know, some a really slow start to the season. Like, that's what I really think it is. It might be a potential slow start to the season. Uh, I would like to see more passing work, but it doesn't look like that's going his way because Baker's so effective getting the ball to Mike Evans, getting the ball to Chris Godwin, and that is just not enough around for a Rashad White. So uh, now is not the time to sell him. You can't sell him now because you're going to get pennies on the dollar. But if you can catch a breakout week for Rashad White, He's coming up against the Saints this week. That's probably not going to be a pretty good matchup for him. But if he does, by some way, have a really good day against the Saints, that might be the time to break him because this Saints defense is really good. Uh, I'm looking a little bit ahead in the future here and trying to just see where I think that there can be a good matchup to catch uh, Rashad White in a good game. And potentially – uh, against this Lions team, potentially Falcons are really decent against the run. Like he just has some really tough matchups going forward. So it's like, man, as soon as you get one break game, because I do think he'll have a boom game in here somewhere. If you get one boom game from him, I think I'm going to go ahead and put him on the trade block. And I think you should do the same too. Man, the schedulers did us dirty, not getting the Panthers until the end of the <laughs> season, right? We got to wait not just for that defense for Rashad White, but also for the Baker Mayfield revenge game narrative. It's not going to yep. hit until what? Like, middle of December it looks like is when they play the Panthers for the first time um you mentioned Mike White and the connection he has with Baker Mayfield there Terrell this week not so hot compared to previous weeks but he still got in the end zone a touchdown 10 targets only caught five of them five receptions 60 yards mm -hmm. and a touchdown is this sustainable for him year long I think it is Mike Evans is really good man I yeah, we talked about it and we he, thousand yard receive a thousand yard receiver doesn't matter what quarterback he has he's still a thousand yard receiver and i think that that's still in the realm possibility i think that they had a very tough matchup and he still found a way to get into the end zone because he, he's mike evans and ultimately when you watch that that drive they kind of got stalled at the end zone a couple of times and they just said you know what forget it we're just gonna throw it to mike evans and mike evans is gonna be better than the defensive back jerry slate and that's what happened they just threw it to him and he was able to come down with a touchdown grab so i think that if they just con commit to doing that over the course of the season is it gonna look pretty is it gonna be that huge crazy game that won somebody a million dollars a week ago no but I think that he's going to have some very, very good output. And look at it. First three games of the season, three touchdowns. And he's uh, on pace. You mentioned he might hit that 1,000-yard threshold again. He's on pace for over 1,600 yards three games into the season. I don't expect that necessarily to continue. But uh, I think 1,000 yards, that streak lives to see another day and hopefully doesn't require a 200-point or a 200-yard Week 18 performance <laughs> to reach that 1,000-yard threshold. Stu, on the other side, Chris Godwin, I think, was the person that people were expecting to be Baker Mayfield's preferred target. We saw them kind of yo-yoing an ADP all year, but at the end of the year, I was consistently seeing Chris Godwin go a couple spots before Mike Evans. Another disappointing week from him, five targets, three receptions, 32 yards. Are there better weeks ahead for Chris Godwin in this Bucks offense? 
Yeah, you'd have to imagine, but I mean, still, even as a guy that's heavy on Godwin and pretty low on Evans, it's very hard to be optimistic <laughs> at this point of the year. I think it's abundantly clear that Evans is his number one target on that team. And when they are trying to move the ball down the field, that's going to be his go-to guy, right? Additionally, they've been using some of these guys, whether it's Tompkins, whether it's Palmer, these kind of tertiary pieces, a little bit more than I expected before the season. I kind of thought all the target share would funnel through those two wide receivers um, and maybe a little bit of Kate on, but we've seen more of these other guys involved we've seen evans be his clear number one target so as a guy that has godwin on a lot of teams you're kind of not feeling amazing right now if it's a ppr league you've at least got the steady kind of four to five floor right he's always going to grab you those four to five catches the problem is it's going to be for like 27 or 33 yards and most of the time you're not getting the touchdown there so the good news is garbage time right this team's going to be playing from behind a lot i expect them to kind of be in these negative game scripts towards the end of the game and that's when a guy like chris godwin can really pop off and give you that you know eight for 85 just stack up those catches yeah one thing i do appreciate about this buccaneers offense right now chris godwin's a little iffy but outside of that you start mike evans you start rashad white for opportunity and it seems pretty clear necessarily bad running matchup they're playing the titans don't throw rashad white in there but you can get mike evans in your lineup each and every week not much else from a fantasy perspective on this point this is uh we're going to talk some waiver wire a little bit later uh, but Stu, do you have any interest in stashing uh, Tucker sitting there behind Rashad White with how he's struggled so far. Do you think he's a worthwhile stash or are you hands off? Rashad White's got a stranglehold on this. Yeah, I like the opportunity. I mean, like I said, I'm not the biggest White fan in the world. And just to say, you guys were talking about matchups earlier. I think he's had his two best matchups already, and he's kind of struggled in them, right? In week two, he was the only running back to face zero stacked boxes in the league against the Vikings, and he still posted negative seven rush yards over expectation in that one. So for me, tough matchups. And then you've got a backup who didn't even look amazing when he came in, right? Tucker didn't like come in and just set the world on fire like you see a lot of these change of pace backs do. He was pretty unimpressive. He was pretty inefficient on his rush attempt. So overall, for me, Tucker is not really a guy I'm going to be stashing unless you're in like a really deep league. Then, you know, 16 teamers, 14 teamers, that's when you get a little creative right here. But in a regular 12 team league, no interest for me. I'm with you. I think there's better stashes out there. Terrell, you got any more love for the rookie Sean Tucker? Or are you with us? No, because I don't think it's as much as with Shar White as I think it's just the Tampa Bay offensive line and the fact that they just can't get anything going for anybody in this offense so i think no matter who's the back is they're going to struggle and you're just going to have to hope that for one week that the offensive line wakes up and they can have a really good game speaking of bad offensive lines the rams Bengals game was a showcase of bad offensive lines that poor matthew stafford back there didn't have even one second to breathe he looked terrified by the end of the game but he wasn't the only quarterback that struggled joe burrow dealing with an injury struggled in this game as well Terrell, when we look at these performances between Stafford and Joe Burrow, which one is more concerning for you if you're the fantasy manager of one of these players? Uh, probably Matthew Stafford because he had one more leg and still looked pretty bad. <laughs> so uh, I think that Matthew Stafford, is, the interceptions didn't look good on his part in that game. Uh, he doesn't really have that mobility in the pocket like Burrow, even on one leg, was starting to move around a little bit, but uh, he's still struggling. Either way, I still think that these two quarterbacks are really, really hindering their team. And just Burrow not healthy, not be able to be as consistent as he is, and Matthew Stafford doing what he always does, which is turn the ball over. They had, they were getting a lot of yardage in there. They had opportunities, and when they got in close, 
they either uh, turned the ball over or they just didn't convert and they settled for a lot of field goals. They weren't able to get into the end zone. So uh, I'm a little bit more concerned with Matthew Stafford. That's also like completely unrelated to me having him rostered in one league. (laughs) Stu, do you agree with Terrell here that Stafford's the one to be more concerned about? No, I don't. You, you, you're getting what you paid for with Matthew Stafford. If you drafted him in the you know last round or second to last round of your draft, you weren't really expecting any of this mobility. And I know turnovers aren't amazing, right? But at the end of the day, when you're on a bad team, it's kind of the Blake Bortles effect of old. Of turn the ball over. I want you to throw more, right? I know you're not going to rush. Let's hit that 300-yard mark. And like you said, you have to convert in the red zone. That was really the problem. If he converts on two of those touchdowns, then you have a good week in fantasy for Matthew Stafford, even if he didn't look good in real life. But Obviously, every time they got down to the red zone, that offensive line got hammered. For me, the problem is Joe Burrow, man. I mean, if you drafted him, you're now getting Joe Burrow on one leg for likely the rest of the season, right? He kind of tried to rehab this before the year started. It looked like he re-injured it last week. Jamar Chase is telling him he doesn't even want him to suit up. He didn't think he should have played this week. He didn't think he should have played week one. It's one of those situations where if you drafted Joe Burrow really high, you're kind of stuck with him a little bit right now, unless you have a great you know, backup on your squad. But I would not feel comfortable rostering him on a week-to-week basis. And I'm pretty disappointed in the Rams' defensive plan of attack in this game. It became abundantly clear from the beginning of the game that he couldn't throw the ball like more than 15 yards down the field their offensive plan was hey we know joe burrow can't transfer the weight in his legs right he that hinders his mobility so we're going to check the ball down just every snap right jamar chase check down tyler boyd check down joe mixon check down and the rams defensive response to that was to sit in this weird cover four defense this weird soft zone where they were just letting them check the ball down and move down the field I have no clue why you're not sending heavy pressure consistently at Burrow because he can't use his mobility to extend plays. He's stuck in the pocket. He's a sitting duck. I think the Rams should have won that game. And I'm hoping that some of these coaches are maybe able to game plan for Burrow's lack of mobility and lack of time in the pocket in future games. I mean, even the announcers were calling that out on the air yesterday. They were saying things like, I don't understand why they didn't just send Jamar Chase down the sideline there. Why on earth would you call up a play like that on third and seven to Jamar Chase in the flat? Get that get that man down the sideline one-on-one and see what he can do. But so you're right. They just were not doing that, and it was likely because of Joe Burrow's injury. And I'm with you. I think we see teams uh, adjust the way they attack this Bengals offense going forward after this Rams performance. We had another disappointing game from one of Joe Burrow's receivers, T. Higgins. It looks similar to week one where he had eight targets and no receptions, except this time eight targets, and he managed to catch two of them for only 21 yards. Had some bad drops, one that hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. Terrell, do you have concerns for T. Higgins? This is two of the three weeks now where he gets the target volume. He just doesn't convert it to fantasy success. Yeah, I think I'm, I have concerns just because I still have concerns for Joe Burrow. And this is not going to be a Bengals offense that is going to be clicking like they used to. Like when you think of Joe Burrow, you think of T. Higgins, you think of big plays, you think of uh, shots down the sideline, 40-yard catches, 50-yard touchdowns. Same thing with Jamar Chase. You think of these big plays where they had to literally game plan Jamar Chase in the slot somewhere he didn't even play up to this point in his career, he's normally playing on the outside. They put him in the slot and they worked because they knew that, hey, we got to get the ball out quick because Burrow cannot move around in the pocket. And so, unfortunately, 
T. Higgins, who's playing majority on the outside, he's not going to benefit from that. He's going to get some of these more difficult throws for Burrow where the ball is not going to come how he's used to it. He's not going to see a, a normal Joe Burrow ball coming down the sideline 10 yards downfield. Like, he's not getting all of that. And so things are a little bit rougher for T. Higgins. Add in the drops that he's had. It's probably a little bit of frustration in there. I think it's going to be a rough sledding until Joe Burrow can actually throw the ball downfield because – you can only check down to so many people, and Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase seem to have that on lockdown as already. I feel like I've never seen so many just ducks thrown in a game as I did yesterday, just these slow-moving balls through the air. And that's weird with Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow as the quarterbacks, but uh, that's what we watched. It, it felt like slow motion for some of those. The interception Joe Burrow threw, though, it's not on him. And that was one of the manliest interceptions I've ever ever seen who was it that caught that witherspoon i think that came out and stole the ball away from tyler boyd just gorgeous i watched it and i was like oh cool a tyler boyd catch and then one second later was jumping up and down like what the hell how did he manage mm -hmm. to pull that away um, oh, as, a, as a rams better same reaction oh we're alive we're back in <laughs> they crushed our dreams after that but it was a good moment i'm with you I was in the awful situation yesterday where I was up by two fantasy points in the fourth quarter. I had Tyler Higby left and my opponent had Jamar Chase and Kyron Williams. Um, so it was not looking good. And so every time the Rams touched the ball, I was like, this is it. This is that Higby touchdown. This is yeah. what's going to save me, baby. Um, it never quite came to fruition. Speaking of Higby, though, he's been relatively serviceable, involved in this Rams game plan. I know all the attention has been going to Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, Kyron Williams, the breakout stars. But we've got Steady Higby sitting there. Stu, whenever you look at the tight end landscape, any interest in Higby as a weekly starter? Yeah, I don't mind it. I think his upside is pretty capped, though. He's another one of those guys that I'd put in the you need a touchdown for me to be happy category, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I think with how bad this Rams offensive line has looked, I think they're going to continue to ask him to stay very close to the line of scrimmage. He's going to have to help chip. He's going to have to help block at times, at least more than we'd want as fantasy owners, right? We don't get points for blocking. We don't get points for chipping. We get points for catches. So for me, Maybe we should. Yeah, no, I agree. That would actually be really fun, honestly. If some of these defensive fantasy guys can, you know, create some new stuff for us, that would be nice. But overall, I just think the upside's a little capped. He's not running these deeper routes. It's a lot of check downs. It's almost similar to a running back route tree at this point. So if he scores a touchdown, you're happy. If he goes, you know, six for 24, you're probably kind of happy if it's a PPR league. But overall, I think there are higher upside tight ends you can target. Just some boring, bland production sitting there on your fantasy team. The the most targeted player on this Los Angeles Rams team this week was not Puka Nakua as it was through the first two weeks of the season. It was Tutu Atwell with nine targets, bringing in four for 50 yards and scoring that lone touchdown for the Rams this week. Terrell, Cover receiving touchdown, backdoor <laughs> covering touchdown very much. Thank you very much, Tutu Atwell. Thanks, for, Tutu. For those that had Rams plus three and a half, like one better at BetMGM who had $125,000 on it. Whew, that man owes Tutu Atwell a thank you card at the at the bare minimal. Maybe an edible arrangement should be showing up at his house after that. Terrell, do you think Tutu Atwell's target volume in this game was a byproduct of a specific game plan that the Rams were trying to execute on? Or are we going to see him this heavily involved in weeks going forward? I think he's this heavily involved until Cooper Cup comes back. 
Like, I think that this offense is predicated on throwing the football, and it's a reason why, and I'm going to go ahead and tout a little bit. Do it. But it's a reason why I wasn't high on Kyron Williams. I was not because I just – this offense doesn't run the football. And there were times in that game yesterday where people were just sitting there and they finally saw a run, and they were like, oh, the Rams actually know how to run the football? And that's why Kyron Williams wasn't as effective because he didn't get the 20-plus – freaking uh, runs that he got in week one versus the Rams. And so here in this situation, this offense that's going to throw the ball 50 times a game, I it can support two wide receivers. So until Cooper Cup comes back, that's going to be Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell in any variation of one, two. That is when Cooper Cup comes back, it's going to be Cooper Cup one and probably Puka Nakua two with sprinkle some Atwell in there. And I'll be really interested in Atwell at that point for like maybe some late time, late flex, like you know, maybe a DFS play here or there. But as of right now, yeah, you have Tutu Atwell at very good production for at least one more week. This sounds weird, but I am less concerned about Tutu Atwell's role in this offense than Puka Nakua's whenever Cooper Cup comes back. Puka Nakua's been the superstar, but Puka Nakua's also taken a lot of those Cooper Cup snaps and those Cooper Cup routes, whereas Tutu Atwell seems to be playing a different role in this offense than those two yeah. guys were now. Sean McVay's a good coach, and he will adjust to his talent, right? Cooper Cup comes back. If he loves Puka Nakua, he's going to be on the field. But I I think Tutu Atwell's role, his job in this offense as the field stretch of the big play guy is, is safe. So I'm like, I, I don't have as much concern for him. I'm I'm very nervous for that first week back whenever Cooper Cup's mm-hmm. in there to see what Puka's role is. He's good enough that he should maintain it, but um, they're competing for some of those same targets, same snaps. Yeah, yesterday I tweeted out that Puka Nakua is the Brock Purdy of wide receivers in the sense that he's a beneficiary of the system, not necessarily of some insane, ungodly talent that the rest of the world missed. So when that system now prioritizes a guy in Cooper Cup, who they've elevated to have the most receiving yards of all time in a system before, I think that's the guy that you want to target. But I agree with you. I think Tutu's role is a lot safer. The only problem is right now Tutu lives on two things. He lives on design touches behind the line of scrimmage, and he lives on deep balls you're essentially going to take one of those away right when cooper cup comes back i think those design plays are going to be a little bit more limited for two two it's going to be a little bit more designed for guys like cooper cup instead so you'll be relying on that deep ball a little bit more which is never fun if you've ever rostered like will fuller in fantasy before even when he was good (laughs) it was fun for two weeks sean jackson yeah, it's, it's that kind of feeling you're going to get. But I, I love Tutu's usage. I think at the end of the day, he does have a lot of, um, you know, traits that an average NFL player doesn't, right? I think when they pull out the playbook, they say, let's just try to do what they're doing with Tyreek Hill. We know it's not going to be the same, but if we keep putting you in motion, getting you these free releases, you're going to make plays. And I tend to agree. It's been impressive so far. Um, so I, I'm with you guys. I think Tutu's role is a little bit safer um, as for Puka, who I'm not as confident in when Cup comes back. Before we talk a little bit further about this game and move into our waiver wire, we had a question come in here from our friend AS in the chat. What's up, AS? Wants to Make know sure if you should... subscribe. Yeah, hit that subscribe button, whether we help you out or not right here. AS said, should I trade Hopkins or Godwin for Pickens? Half PPR starting three wide receivers. So Terrell, they got the rest of their team listing down there, but if you're looking at trying to trade for George Pickens, would you trade DeAndre Hopkins or Chris Godwin for George Pickens right now? I don't think I would, and I understand why you want to, especially because Pickens has had a couple of really good weeks. He's heavily targeted in that Steelers offense, and Godwin, Godwin, I think had a – I don't even think I remember seeing him pop up on, on in the game too much last night. He had uh, 
what was that two catches last night two or three something like that yeah he had yeah. three catches 32 yards last night and hopkins has been nothing this entire start of the season and i know because i roster him in a league yep. but what i do also know is that Deontay Johnson is going to come back into that offense for the Steelers. And at some point that's going to eat into George Pickens. And I think that while Pickens is still going to be really good, I think that that is going to is ultimately the tiebreaker enough for where I say, Hey, at least with Hopkins, as of right now, they've had some really, really tough defensive matchups. Like I am not faulting him at all for having a dud against the Browns because the Browns probably have the best secondary in the entire NFL. Uh, and the fact that they can play their secondary man against anybody and they even the Bengals and they don't care. Uh, so I'm not really faulting them there. They played the Saints as well, who also profile to be another top defense in the NFL. Uh, the only concern that was really there was that Chargers game who was giving up the most yardage to anybody. And he it, it, it he had four targets, 40 yards. It's not good, but you see that there's at least hope there. But as of right now, and I, I don't think I'm willing to pull the trigger on Hopkins just yet. I think that if I get another really good matchup, maybe against the Bengals this weekend, but I think they'll be able to run on Bengals more than try to throw the ball. Uh, I don't know if I'm making that move for Pickens just now. If I can get maybe Hopkins for Pickens, possibly, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. Yeah. Stu, you in agreement here? I agree. I mean, Pickens, it's just tough. He's been impressive these last couple of weeks. But like you said, Deontay's coming right back. Um, Hopkins, the only thing is this theoretically, maybe it's just the last time that you can sell somewhat high on Hopkins. Like if Hopkins does has another dud, is anyone even going to want to trade for him at this point? So like yeah. if you can get it, you know, right now, I wouldn't hate that. I don't know what to do with Tennessee. This could make me look really dumb in a couple of weeks, but it's really hard to trust anyone on that Tennessee team right now with the fantasy output they've. So I, I would consider Hopkins for Pickens. I don't hate that at all. But overall, you got to remember that Pickens is definitely going to take a little bit of a bump when Deontay comes back. Even uh, even Derrick Henry's a little bit tough to trust right now. With they've been that's two weeks in a row that Tajay Spears has outsnapped him in those games. I know he's dealing with a nagging injury, but I, there's hardly anyone on this Titans team that you can just plug in and go, "Yep, we're good." Where it's not a question if you just start somebody else over him. I think all right, we're all in agreement, though. It's a hundred percent not Godwin. Like you yeah. don't trade Godwin for Pickens. Godwin is going to have good weeks ahead of him. Hold on to Godwin. If you're going to do this, I'm with you guys. It's Hopkins for me. But I honestly, I think I'm sitting with Hopkins and Godwin on my roster and just hoping. Um, it, it, let me just say, if you're desperate, if you're like 0-3 and you need Pickens for these next couple weeks, then I'd do it. Because I'm not confident that Hopkins has given you anything in these next couple weeks. Maybe a couple, you know, down the line a little bit, something like that. But if you really need to win right now, then I would not hate moving off Hopkins at all. I know it's a little bit of a split decision, but it's been pathetic so far what the Titans are doing. Stu, that you bring up a great point here as we're about to head into our waiver wire article. We are three weeks into the season, and I'm curious where you guys stand on this. At a certain point, if you don't have a win, 0-2, 0-3, 0-4, you have to do things like starting to buy wins. Looking at windows is just a single week. And like you just mentioned there, Pickens may be the guy this week that you think is going to score more points. And so you have to go out there and try to buy that win. At what point do you hit the panic button on your fantasy rosters? Is it 0-3? Is it 0-4 where you start looking to make these big trades or start looking at these one-week windows to just try to eke a win out? 
Yeah, I think it's 0-3. I think the time's right now. I think you need to start playing matchups as soon as possible. I mean, maybe that's because I look at everything from more of like a betting perspective. But in general, when you look at things, right, you want to, when you're looking at the waiver wire, if you're 0-3 right now, you want to be assessing those matchups just as much as you're assessing the players, right? It wouldn't do you any good to grab some of these high-end, you know, backups right now that maybe we're about to talk about in a minute. If you need to, you know, get a win this week, you need to be focusing on guys that will actually get real snaps, have real opportunities, especially in the wide receiver department running back you're not really going to be able to plug and play a running back but wide receivers there will be plenty of guys that will have opportunity this week and sometimes you got to go for the the boomer bust you got to go for the will fuller effect over the robert woods you know five for 34 man every time you say will fuller i just get immediately thrown back to that like two stretch period where he'd have those crazy stat lines like two targets two receptions 111 yards and two touchdowns and you would just sit there like this is broken man no way he can do it again next week and then he would do it again it was something crazy like over two or three weeks he had seven targets five receptions and four touchdowns or something dumb like that before we get into our waiver wire here guys you see the qr code down on the screen below me if you scan that, you can check out Fantasy Sports Logic's contrarian optimizer and sign up for a seven-day test drive for just $1. Start getting the early head start on prepping your week four lineups. We'll help you guys craft some winning ones as we head into week four. There's some big names on the waiver wire this week. I was going to start with wide receivers, but I feel like it would really be burying the lead not to start with the highlight of this week's waiver wire, Devon Achain. He's sitting on the waiver wire in about 60% of leagues on sleeper there. It varies depending on platform. Backup running back to Raheem Mostert, or so we thought, comes out in week three. I know last week was technically his debut, but he didn't see much work and absolutely blows the roof off the place in the Dolphins' 70-20 to route of the Denver Broncos. Four touchdowns, over 200 yards on the ground, two touchdowns through the air, two touchdowns on his feet. Terrell, are we seeing the passing of the guard here between Raheem Mostert and rookie Devonna Chain, or are they both going to continue to be involved? No, I think they're both involved. I, I mean, come on. They put up 70 points. I, I don't I, – I effectively threw everything I knew about the Dolphins in that Dolphins game fantasy-wise out because there's you're not scoring 70 points every single week. And it just so happened that all – what? They had like four touchdowns each. Like, they, <laughs> like, like come Mostert, on. How do I make – how do I make anything? They could literally the running back position could do anything they wanted against the Broncos last week. So I, I really can't sit here and, and make anything of it. I don't think that it's an overreaction. I don't think it's an underreaction. I have no thoughts on anything fantasy related coming out of that game because that is such an outlier game that if I even considered even considered trying to, to decipher anything out of it, I'm probably wrong. I talked a little bit about this in the waiver wire article that's going to be going up on Sportstopia a little bit later today. Check it out, but I'm with you, Terrell. But that doesn't mean I'm not excited about a chain um, going into this week. We're not going to see four touchdowns. We're likely not going to see 200 yards on the ground again the rest of the season. But what we may see is another 16 carries for a player like that going into that week. We may see double-digit carries semi-regularly for this player, and he is so explosive. They did not oversell his speed whenever they were talking about it in the offseason. We saw it on full display. So the talent that I saw on the field, plus the opportunity given to him, I am excited. I'm not expecting 50-point weeks each and every week or anywhere close. I'm not expecting 25-point weeks each and every week. But I do think you've got a startable running back going forward. 
Yeah, and this is a guy that was a healthy scratch in week one. I mean, it's hard not to be excited no matter what situation the production was in, right? Because it wasn't all in garbage time. It was mostly in garbage time, but he was at least somewhat involved before that. For me, I think the biggest problem here is I just can't get too excited about the workload, right? I can't. I think he'll be one of those guys that is a good real life player and a not so good fantasy player, right? I Because you mentioned 16 carries. I don't ever see that possible. I'm not even sure if we ever saw that in college. This guy does not have the frame to carry the ball 16 times in the NFL. To me, he profiles as a little bit more of a gadget player. He can run in the in between the tackles a little bit more than people give him credit for, but he kind of profiles to me as like an absolute weapon on the field, um, a great real life player, someone that's going to be more and more involved in very creative sets but i don't think he's going to be someone that you're going to feel great about rostering on a week-to-week basis so i would definitely try to get him the talent is there the opportunity is there but i do not really love you know the the volume i guess people are going to be freaking out uh to add him to their teams this week uh if you look at the leaders for the season he prior to this week had only scored 1.9 ppr fantasy points in his debut and debut in week two but he is currently the RB6 on the season in PPR formats because of that 50-point game. It should buoy him up there in the rankings for a little bit at this point, but expect that to drop. Terrell, how much of your fab are you dropping on a guy like Devonta Chan right now? I'm not interested. I, I'm I, I'm not interested. I'm not. I think he's I think he's a talent, and I think Stu hit it on the head. He's probably good for NFL and, and not as good for fantasy. He's probably going to have some really big weeks. But am I going to know exactly which of those weeks to really start them? Probably not. And I'd just rather not cause myself the headache. That's just how I am as a fantasy player. If I am have a player who I'm like, oh, yeah, this person's good, but I'm not going to know when to start you. And I'm probably going to start you at the wrong time. And it's probably going to kill me a couple of weeks. And then I'm going to be mad because the next week I sit you that you're sitting on the bench with 20, 25 points. So I just prefer not to have that headache on my fantasy team. The reason I'm a little bit more excited about adding him is the opportunity may not fully be there now, but we're seeing they're willing to give it to him. The running back in front of him on the depth chart. Let me just read you games played for Raheem Mostert over the last five seasons. We had 16 last year. He did it. But then 1, 8, 16, 9, 11, 1, 2, 7. Like this dude just doesn't play often. I hate using the injury prone tag, but Raheem Mostert's a player who year after year has shown the propensity to get hurt. Um, so if he does go down, it's a chance backfield is what it seems like there with Jeff Wilson coming back into the mix at some point, of course. Uh, but there's just a, there's a path that I see for a guy like this and we saw him blow up this week, but you're, you're going to have to pay up. So Terrell, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I'll drop the rest of my remaining fab on Devon Itchen. I think opportunities like this are rare on the waiver wire. We talked about it earlier this season. But I also love picking up running backs. That's what I love to spend my fab on is when a running back looks like they're poised to break out. That's where I want to drop everything I have on them. Stu, what are you doing here? Are you more leaning towards Terrell or leaning towards uh, blow it all like I am? I'm going in the middle. I'm going like 34% <laughs> yeah. in a lot of my in a lot of my leagues. I want to have a chance at him, but kind of like Terrell, I don't want to spend the rest of my fab for a guy that I'm not going to feel comfortable like starting on a week-to-week basis. For me, he's one of those guys that I think he could profile as like a league winner of a guy that you could plug and play in maybe we, the fantasy playoffs, right? And maybe then he has some more opportunity, but you got to get there first, right? And if you're going to spend the rest of your fab, you got to be pretty freaking confident that your team is good enough to get you there. And 
when looking at a lot of my teams, there's still room for improvement. I'm still starting some Gus Edwards, some Antonio Gibson at running back. So at the time, I can't really afford to drop all of my fab on a guy that is likely, in my opinion, not going to be a super great fantasy play for these next couple weeks, especially with Jeff Wilson hopefully coming back as someone that's got him 25% of best ball leagues. I need you, Jeff. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on, but I'm praying for you, buddy. Do you the amount of teams I'm starting some combo of like Gus Edwards and Samaj P. Ryan as my starting running backs is just a little bit too high and might be biasing the amount of fab that I'm willing to spend on a guy like uh Devonna Chan. We got Captain stopping by in the chat saying, What up? What up, Captain? Welcome in. Glad to have you here. You're just in time. We talked about the highlight, but everyone knows you got to pick up Devonna Chan this week. I want to talk some of the other running backs that you might be going to pick up. My favorite name on the waiver wire outside of a Chan this week, I mentioned him last week, but he's still rostered in less than 50% of leagues, and I think it's because the Bears are a complete and utter dumpster fire. But Roshan Johnson continues to be an exciting play for me. He didn't get a ton of work this week, but he was efficient with what he was given. And it was a weird game script where they went down big early right now this isn't a good bears team so they're probably going to be in negative game scripts but roshan johnson profiles is the one to catch passes in that offense as well and he's shown that he can be a playmaker and this bears offense needs playmakers um the other thing we have going for us is if they are in fact a losing team and they start losing all hope they may be seeing what they got in a player like roshan down the season we see this all the time rookies start getting more play as a team it becomes clear that not only are the playoffs out of question, but uh, the primary goal of this season becomes talent evaluation. Stu, are you in on Roshan Johnson? I am. That was very well said right there. I think that was a great point. And I think when you look at garbage time too, last week was like pathetic where they got beat so bad. There wasn't even a, like a chance that they were going to win that game. But when you look at over the last two weeks, he was playing in garbage time. He was playing in non-garbage time. But this is a team that's going to be in garbage time a lot this year. It's kind of what you talked about with those Eagles running backs earlier this season on the other side of the coin, right, where a guy like Kenny Gainwell probably does benefit because they're going to be ahead so often. Roshan Johnson almost, it feels like he has a two to three kind of pass catching floor alone just based on the game script that this Bears team is going to be in. Even if you don't love the Bears offense, I mean, that defense is the real problem with this team. I think Justin Fields has kind of taken away all the attention. But, man, that defense is truly bad on almost everything every single level. And I'll, I'll point it out once again, when you have a, a restructuring franchise, you got a bunch of first round picks. Can we not spend all of our off season money on off ball linebackers? Like that's insane. I don't know whose idea that was offensive line, defensive line. No, we got to shore up this linebacker core. That's really what's going to save us this year. So back to the original point. I like Roshan. I like the garbage time. I like the upside he has for the rest of the season. And you hate off-ball linebackers. Terrell, are you uh, equally as in on Roshan here? Or you got a little bit more pessimism towards him? No. I mean, I was the one preseason. I was calling for Roshan Johnson to steal this starting job, and you I were. still think that he has the opportunity to be able to do that. Uh, and this week is a great week because you got a Denver Broncos team that – just gave up 203 yards to chain. They gave up 82 to Mostert. Christopher Brooks, who uh, people probably don't know, and I'm saying Christopher Brooks, and they're probably thinking of the guy from Winnie the Pooh, and is he had nine for 66. So, like, everybody ran up and down on his defense last week. Uh, Brian Robinson had a really good week before that for the Commanders. He was 18 for 87. Uh, Josh Jacobs is the only person that really underperformed against this defense. And 
I mean, la- prior to last week, and Stu's a Commanders fan, so he'll be able to tell you. I was high on Sam Howell because I said, oh, man, he put up 30 points on that Broncos defense. He did really good. Well, in hindsight, you only put up 30 points on the Broncos defense, so that's actually pretty bad. <laughs> and so – uh, yeah, I, I think Roshan has a pretty good week this week against that Broncos defense that just hasn't seemed to put it together. And I think going forward, he has pretty good opportunity as well. 350 rushing yards is what the Dolphins had against that Broncos team over the weekend. 350 yards on the ground. I'm with you. This seems like a good week to plug some Roshan Johnson in there. A couple other running back names I wanted to bring up. We were kind of talking earlier about backups that are worthwhile having on your team. Um, I'm looking at Kendra Miller, Rico Dowdle, and Elijah Mitchell as three backups that seem to have taken the second role on that team fully from the other participants. Rico Dowdle especially doesn't seem to be competing with Deuce Vaughn anymore. Kendra Miller showed up in his debut and looked great just in time for Alvin Kamara to come back. And Elijah Mitchell, we already know how the 49ers offense and coaching staff feels about him. They like that guy. Mm -hmm. They just have the greatest running back in the NFL sitting in front of him. Uh, Stu, whenever you look at those names, are there any that jump out at you that you would like to stash maybe going forward? Because we're seeing no, it with like the Jerome Ford. If you had them on your team before, you're thrilled. But maybe these guys don't have that upside. Yeah, this is one of those spots where, I mean, Elijah Mitchell is kind of the always the like, if you got this guy available on the waiver wire and you have a free spot, I mean, CMC at times, it does kind of feel like a ticking time bomb, right? When you have these running backs that you ask to handle this insane workload on a week by week basis, and you have such a talented backup running back like Elijah Mitchell, I think that's a pretty clear signing. As you said, for Kendra Miller, this guy was high on the TCU. I was a fan of the prospect profile, but the injury pushed him back. He missed his window. Tony Jones was playing in those important snaps as well late in that game. So for me, with Alvin Kamara coming back, Tony Jones obviously being a fixture on that team, whether we like it or not as fantasy owners, really no interest in Kendra Miller. So I think out of that range, Elijah Mitchell is the number one guy. And then there's one guy that I just completely skipped this range for um, to pick, which I think we'll be talking about in a minute. Yeah, we can go ahead and throw that name out there right now. I was tempted to lump him in here with the backups because that's kind of the role he's played thus far this season, but it changed this week. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott came in and had how many carries did he have this week? Like 16 or 17 carries in that game. It looks like a split backfield with him and Ramondre Stevenson. Stu, I'm guessing that's who you're referring to here. Yep. Yep. I picked up Ezekiel Elliott in one of my running back needy teams, my home league. I just talked about him starting Gus Edwards out there. And I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, the numbers are kind of validating everything I've been seeing on film rewatching these games, which is he's really not making it happen between the tackles. Almost all of his production is coming back from checkdowns. He's not hitting these holes. The Patriots offensive line isn't good, but it's not terrible. He's that opportunity. He's bottom five in the league in rush yards over expectations so far. I didn't think I'd ever be coming on here saying I want to put Ezekiel Elliott on my team but obviously the production was good he's been a pass catcher this year as well which is a little bit weird i mean we've known traditionally even back to when he was drafted he's great in pass protection something that goes very underrated you want to be out there on those third downs for pass protection because guess what that can turn into a nice little nine yard dump off and those obviously stack up over time as well so for me we talked about a little bit earlier if you're down oh three if you're one two sometimes you got to win these week by week matchups and ezekiel elliott revenge game touchdown sounds amazing maybe i know that's happening this week we we know it we know it so i like ezekiel elliott i picked him up in uh one of my leagues or you know put in some bids i don't think there's gonna be much competition but i like zeke um a lot more than most of those other guys in this range 
you can sell me on a revenge game narrative in about 0.5 seconds. Just say revenge game and I'm in. Terrell, looking at those four guys, Ezekiel Elliott, Kendra Miller, Rico Dowdle, Elijah Mitchell. Zeke is kind of in a separate tier as someone you can start uh-huh. right away. But do you have interest in any or all of those running backs on the waiver wire this week? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's the same thing for me. It's clear-cut Elijah Mitchell for me, and Zeke is a close number two there. And it's really just more of the fact of what could be and then more than what is right now. If CMC goes down, if Ramon J. Stevenson goes down, those two are probably top 12 running backs easy. Like in, in the next week, they're probably going to get ranked close to the top 12 in terms of uh, what they're going to give you that week. And so I don't necessarily get that or I don't feel like I get that if Tully Pollard was, was to go down. I think Dallas would probably go and try to throw the ball a little bit more and kind of abandon the run. Same thing with the Saints. If Alvin Kamara comes back and he ends up going down again, it's clear already Tony Jones is there. You'll probably even see some Taysom Hill and then Keandre Miller. Like I, there's a lot of mouths to feed down there in New Orleans for him. But the other two, I think that they're clear-cut handcuffs, and that's enough for me to be able to pick them up and stash them. Let's talk some wide receivers before we hop out of here today. Mike Williams, unfortunately, tore his ACL and is out for the season after a pretty hot start. A hot start that maybe went ignored because Keenan Allen is having the hottest of hot starts to this season so far. But with Mike Williams going down in such a pass-heavy offense as the Kellen Moore-led Chargers is, there has to be opportunity elsewhere. Keenan Allen already got 20 targets in this game. I don't know how many more they can throw his way. The two big names sitting out there on the waiver wire, Joshua Palmer and rookie Quinton Johnston. I tend to lead Johnston as the guy that I want to pick up between those guys. And it's what you were just saying there, Terrell. It's an upside play. It's what could be. And it's the fact that Johnston is literally a Mike Williams clone. He is the same type of player. He is this big-bodied, hyper-athletic, end-zone threat that I expect them to just slot into his snaps, whereas Joshua Palmer – I think he's going to maintain a similar role in this offense. His snap share likely goes up a little bit, but uh, what, 60 yards and a touchdown? That seems to be about his ceiling, and that's what we got this week. Stu, when you're looking at these Chargers wide receivers, who are you prioritizing on the waiver wire? Oh, boy, it's a shit show for me here. I mean, I don't like Joshua Palmer. He's consistently rated out as a very inefficient running – or sorry, wide receiver, especially when you put him against man coverage, right? This isn't a guy I really trust to separate. This isn't a guy I really trust to win. He was such a hard best ball pick for me because he so clearly had opportunity in a high-volume offense. I just didn't like the talent. So it was hard for me. But that being said, I mean, Quinn Johnson would be a much – more tempting fantasy addition if he didn't have the catch mechanics of a 14 year old that only watched OBJ <laughs> catches, right? Like this isn't a guy that I feel comfortable, like you said, as a 50, 50 ball wide receiver when he can only make body catches, right? This is a guy that can't high point a football, which is a little bit of a concern for a guy that you want to trust in this deep ball role. So the, the usage hasn't been there, right? They've seen him more than any of us have seen him play, right? They've seen him all of training camp. They were like, you know what? Joshua Palmer, still probably better than this guy. I think that'll be the case for a good point, a good portion of the season. So I'm not really prioritizing Johnston. He was one of the more curious prospect evaluations for me. He showed some flashes of greatness. He showed some flashes of not greatness. So I really wasn't super sure how he was going to do this year. He kind of had to prove to me that I was wrong about him. He hasn't done that so far. The coaches are not, you know, pushing him out there on the field. I don't love Josh Palmer, but that will be my priority pickup just based on volume alone. 
Also, Captain, I see your question in the chat. We'll get to that ever so shortly here. Before we do that, though, I want to hear Terrell's thoughts on Quinton Johnston. Are you a little more optimistic than Stu? Or are you with him that those uh, mechanics and maybe the skill set and the coach's trust are going to be an issue to him getting on the field? Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's an issue of him getting on the field. I think he'll get on the field. It's just, is he going to get the targets? So is he going to get the production that everybody yeah. wants? I mean, he has to get on the field. They run three wide receiver sets, and they just lost a wide receiver. So he's going to get on the field. And as Joshua Palmer can tell you that he's going to get on the field because Joshua Palmer in the three weeks leading up to this injury outsnapped him 129 to 48. So there's room for him to get on the field just because of the fact that they make sure they have three wide receivers on the field, seeing how Joshua Palmer played 129 snaps already. So uh, I I think he's going to get on the field. So is there opportunity by being on the field? Yes. Is he the person that I'm going for? Uh, yeah, I'm probably putting in a, a claim for both and seeing which one hits. And if I get either one, I'm probably happy. But uh, I think that looking forward, I think that the ceiling is much higher with Johnston, but the floor is much higher with Palmer because I think Palmer is going to get a consistent medium workload where he's going to be able to get a few PPR points, maybe have a touchdown, maybe break one here or there. But he's never going to be somebody that I would qualify as a league winner. Man, and Stu, you brought up Quinton Johnston can't high point a football. He is being held to the pinnacle of that standard coming in to try to replace Mike Williams. That dude can high point a football like almost nobody I've ever seen. You talk about climbing the ladder. He legitimately looks like he's climbing a ladder out there sometimes to get up and catch that ball. Captain in here with a question for us, a huge fan of the stream. Well, we appreciate it, Captain. Wanted to know, should I trade Mike Evans, TJ Hawkinson, Alexander Madison, and Jalen Hurts for Tony Pollard, Travis Etienne, George Kittle, and Trevor Lawrence? So we're just swapping teams here. (laughs) Terrell, are you making this move? It's Mike Evans, Hawkinson, Uh, Madison, and Hurts for Pollard, Etienne, Kittle, and Lawrence. Yeah, you are basically switching teams. I am – I don't think I am well because yeah because I, Jalen Hurt I have Jalen Hurts ahead of Lawrence I have Hawkinson at very very close to Kittle where I wouldn't be upset with either one I think I have a little bit more upside of Hawkinson and just how much the Vikings are throwing in that offense uh Alexander Madison actually made it, it's because I actually honestly truly it's because I sat him that's the only reason he went off this week it's because I sat him don't expect this to happen every single week because I'm probably going to start him again next week and he's probably going to suck again so uh Madison probably only got off because I sat him and maybe I just take the L for all the Alexander Madison owners and I just sit him every week so that you guys can get the good workload I might decide to do that well it depends I'm curious but uh, and then you already know my feelings on Mike Evans so I think you should keep the team you have you may have had a, a little bit of some tough sledding coming on here, but I, I, I'm not big on Lawrence and the Jags and ETN. I just don't think that they are uh, as much hype as what was made out to be for them. They're missing Zay Jones. He's the secret weapon, apparently. That team can't operate without Zay yeah. Jones in the lineup. Stu, are you with uh, Terrell here? Are you sticking on the Mike Evans, Hawkinson, Madison, and Hurt side? I probably am. I mean, you get an up. This trade is realistically you get an upgrade in your running back, and then you get a downgrade in pretty much every other position. So if you're kind of desperately needing that Pollard, because for me, Madison, I mean, yeah, you had a great start. You're not going to be able to face the worst rush GVO defense every week, unfortunately, especially with Cam Akers now coming in and probably stealing a couple carries. So if you need that running back upgrade, I'd say it's fine. But overall, it's a pretty fair trade on both sides. I think your team is pretty good the way it is. But if you do really want that running back upgrade, then I don't mind going for it. 
Hope that was helpful, Captain. We got only a couple minutes here left, but I wanted to throw some other wide receiver names at you outside of these charges, guys, and see if any stand out. Terrell, when we're looking at Tank Dell, Adam Thielen, Zay Jones, Zay Jones out injured, but Tank Dell and Adam mm -hmm. Thielen both had big weeks this week. Uh, are there any names of those that you're really prioritizing adding to your team? Oh, yeah, I'm putting Tank Dell over everybody. I got Tank Dell over everybody. I'm all in. I'm 100% sold on the Tank Dell train. Shout out to the CJ Strauss stack. But uh, I, I, the thing with Thielen is I think Thielen is as good as Andy Dalton will take him. And unfortunately for the Carolina Panthers, I have a theory. And uh, you can cue like whatever conspiracy theory music or whatever. But I, there is a possibility that the Panthers trade, traded up and got Bryce Young just so they could have the worst record in the league so that they could come back and get Caleb Williams. Like, there is, that is very much a real possibility. I, 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 Andy Dalton looked very much better than Bryce Young in that game, and books said that they gave Bryce Young a point over Dalton. It might be the other way, other way around. You might need to be giving Andy Dalton a point over uh, Bryce Young in when you're talking about setting these lines because Dalton looked way better than Young. Stu, you as in on Tank Dell, he's shown up every week this season so far and was, in fact, the target leader for two weeks in a row now. Yeah, no, I'm definitely in. You want to get Tank Dell as soon as possible. Like you said, the chemistry from preseason is clearly, you know, pushing through. Shroud looks amazing out there. The passing ball. I mean, he has every reason to look terrible, by the way, even beyond just complimenting the passing stats. This guy's going behind an offensive line that profiles to be one of the worst in the league with multiple injured starters, including, I believe, Tunsil, who's still been out. So for me, I love that Texans team. I like that offense. Um, I've been very impressed by it, and I would definitely be prioritizing Tank Dell. Man, I've been surprised but excited watching cj stroud so far this season in that texans offense we mentioned it last week we're probably going to mention it a hundred more times i wasn't drafting any wide receivers there out of the texans room and now there's three guys you can start with the rookie kind of leading the way out there that is going to be it for us today guys if you've got some more waiver wire questions you can hit me up on twitter and find us i'm on twitter at fyf simon we got terrell on twitter at really rail underscore underscore and you can find Stu on twitter at monotone football we're here every week tuesday to help you out with your waiver wire decisions so pop in next week to ask any questions you have but until tomorrow sportstopia nfl shows are out of here enjoy the rest of your tuesday get prepped for week four and go get your waiver wire bids in until then adios everyone Give my theme music. <laughs>